I can't remember an election when there has been such a yawning chasm between the two possible futures for this country. America first. America first. What we are against is the teaching of contested political ideas as if they are accepted facts. The British are too big to bully. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. This is the last stand on earth. The last stand on earth. Hello, everyone. Welcome back or welcome to the Other View podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're back today with another episode and we'll be talking about free speech. And I think this is a very important episode and topic in general. As young people on the right, we can probably all attest to feeling like at some point our freedom of speech has felt under threat, whether that be at school or at work or probably most likely online. And in today's society, we're seeing the rise of cancel culture around the world. And we really need to ask ourselves, I think, as a society, is limiting people's speech, no matter how offensive, the way we want to go. We hope you enjoy this episode, but first let's take a look at some of the top news stories from this week. Okay, so the biggest news story of this week, um, even though it happened right at the beginning of the week, so it feels like ages ago now, was probably the roadmap. Forest's roadmap out of lockdown, um, which I think, well, at least for me, was quite a surprise that he put that last date on there, the 21st of June, for the lifting of all restrictions, apparently. What does everyone think about all of those uh, maybe possible dates that we might be easing restrictions? Um, so, yeah, with the restrictions, I think it's a really clear like guideline for us all when we think we can get back to some sort of normal where all of like the face masks will be gone everyone's vaccinated we have a booming sum of the economy's rebuilt we can go get haircuts that we all probably need by now we can actually have a pint in the pub but i think we do have to have a degree of caution that you know if people start relaxing too much like it's a really sunny day today and it's february people going out and just relaxing like kind of thinking that the virus is gone it means those dates are only going to cause more cases and I think we have to remember the phrase data not date so if we actually all behave the way we have done for the last kind of two months or so then actually those dates are realistic and actually it'll be a really good thing just I think everyone will be really more happy and uplifted but I think it's got to be realistic that things will change as we go it might be July it could be May it you just have to take it, but I think it'll help business. It restores people's confidence, trust in government, um, and just hopefully just have some sort of normality in a good summer. What's anyone else think? Yeah, I'm glad that they've uh, they've put a the 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 final um, stage is getting rid of everything. I was concerned that it would be yeah. the final stage would be um, like we're doing most stuff, but things like social distancing and stuff like that have to carry on. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that they've yeah. They on. weren't explicit about masks, though, were they? But the wording was that all restrictions would end, all and all rules would end. So I would apply that to masks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know Chris yeah. Ritchie, um seems to think that masks were going to keep going for another year or so. So we'll see. Maybe maybe we can start wearing two masks or three masks, like Dr. Fauci in America wants us to wear. So yeah. I think everyone underestimated the vaccine rollouts and actually we can come out of this a lot quicker than originally 
anticipated. Well, hopefully, if we can stick to their roadmap. Yeah. So, yeah, I was quite surprised by the... I didn't realise it'd be that kind of quick that we could be out of all this by June the 21st, as a... Um, so, yeah, I was quite impressed by Boris's announcements. And from what I've seen um, online, people's reactions to, I think, people very optimistic, very, very proud that this can be kind of the final hurdle that we've got through this kind of brutal period of lockdowns. And then we can come out of this, come out of this stronger. And I'll use Alex's phrase to build back better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you make really good points, guys, but... I think the only other thing people are not remembering is, yeah, we're in this country and in the Britain as a whole will be unlocked the first major economy. I think this doesn't mean going booking a holiday to uh, Barbados because you've got to think other countries haven't got the developed vaccine or they haven't got the rollout like as developed as we have. So I think degree of caution, just expect that you can't go to kind of big holidays, booking loads of stuff up. You you probably go to the beach in Brighton and just have a nice time. But when did I have Brighton for? You know, it's a nice weekend away. Although they have got Caroline Lucas, but you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think like um I don't know, personally I I wanted it to be all a lot closer. I'm still happy they've put kind of dates on things because it kind of holds them to accountability to actually make it happen rather than um saying it will happen at some point in the future but like at the moment everyone's just like I literally just hear 21st June 21st June 21st like everywhere so everybody's obviously like holding the hopes out for that day I mean it's still very very cautious like for the I mean now I think it's literally just been announced like 20 million people have had the vaccine that's like oh, just aren't all like under a third of the whole the whole population so um yeah, it feels like, come on, like, come on, we've done so many people, like, let's let's go, because that's the amount that they were the people who were in hospitals, weren't they? So, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I don't really even want to comment on it too much. I'm just kind of holding my hopes out for, they all just, like, kind of go smoothly now. Um, so the next big topic will be moving up to Scotland and the whole SNP fiasco with... Uh, sturgeon versus salmond um and kind of the possibility that salmon thinks that sturgeon find well sturgeon and her kind of party has it out for him <laughs> they're trying to like well there's like a little conspiracy going on to um get rid of him and find maybe even imprison him and all that kind of stuff with all this sexual allegation scandal that's been going on for the past few years what are people's opinions on kind of the latest news that's come out with this so yeah with um obviously what's happening in scotland i think it looks really bad for nicola sturgeon because obviously she's denied one way or another a meeting that has or hasn't happened um, and the information that she knew about and the fact of alex sam and her kind of her mentor for many years in the smp saying that she may have broke ministerial code, but it's not for him to comment on what the consequences should be are quite damning. Uh, and I think for the SNP, it looks bad ahead of the elections and kind of their whole campaign to take Scotland out of the union. Um, and obviously, as soon as Nicola Sturgeon stood up in Hollywood this week, it looked really bad that she was kind of trying to attack do Ruth Davidson for what she said, um, and then not really taking any integrity or accountability of what she said. And I think 
this was quite damning because you had people on Sky shortly after saying they're SNP supporters and they want independence, but they, they can't support Sturgeon with kind of breaking ministerial code and being so blasé about it because when someone's been accused of such serious allegations, you want them to stand up and say, okay, I heard about it. I, I don't know whether these are true or not, but one way or another, I'm going to kind of take a stance of leadership on it. You are the leader of the SNP. You are the largest party, so make sure you have some good morals behind you. Yeah, and it seems like, from my understanding of it, that she's uh, the Nicola Sturgeon is sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Where she's, um, if the meeting she said she lied about not knowing about the meet the first meeting. Um, so if she lied and said that she didn't know it, then that's wrong. And if the meeting that happened didn't discuss it then the meeting should have been minuted and it wasn't minuted. So she broke the ministerial code that way. Like, what, regardless of whether she knew about the abuse allegations in advance of the date she stated or not, she still broke the ministerial code. I don't see how she gets out of it without having broken it one way or the other. Yeah, so I think the last big story, I think, is um, about Shamima Begum and the Supreme Court ruling uh, that she will not be allowed to return to the UK. Uh, oh my goodness. That's yeah. the last, thank God. Yeah, that's pretty good news, I think. But yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say about that. I think we're all pretty unanimous in the... Yeah, well, she, um, she defected to a foreign power that Britain for all extents and purposes, was in open conflict with. Yeah. Um, now, for any measure, that's treason. Um, yeah. She deserved what she got, being stripped of her citizenship. I know um, people try and say, well, she was only 15. Um, she she didn't know better. It's like, yes, she did. 15-year-olds. 15-year-olds know that beheading people um, is not okay they know that throwing people off the top of buildings is not okay they know that blowing themselves up on the train is not okay they know flying planes into buildings is not okay like yeah. saying she's 15 isn't an excuse no and yeah it's just ridiculous the fact this was even being contemplated by the i know we have to have a justice system but i mean mm-hmm. are we really going to give justice to someone who joined isis and is now trying to come back into our society I don't even know why it was yeah. contemplated as a decision. She, We would have had to pay for her security for the rest of her life anyway. We would have had to pay for all her legal costs if she was to come back. Yeah, It'd just be ridiculous. And like you said, Jacob, the fact that she was on camera normally talking about people beheading somebody and just throwing it in a bin, and it was just kind of, oh, yeah, we just saw that every day, but it was pretty yeah. normal. Well, the thing is, there isn't, there isn't an ounce of remorse in her body. No. Like, if she if she no. came out and said, "Oh, I'm I'm really sorry. I made a huge mistake," then it might be a slightly different conversation. The the point of the matter is that she turns around in this camp and is just like, "Oh well, I I didn't know any better. I saw this head in a bin. There was flies around it, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Like she's not sorry at all. No, absolutely. And not. I think I think what's what's um really kind of crazy about the story is as you say Max there's kind of 
I, that has to be a legal system, but it's more, it's more the fact that it's kind of a controversial issue. Like a lot of people are pro her coming back. And I'm just like, how is that? Like, I know she has, it still has to be like put to kind of taken to court, whatever, but surely everyone should be like, no, she, she shouldn't come back like that. If she, if she was to come back it, again, it kind of incentivizes people to kind of go out there in the first place. And because yeah. they think, oh, well, you know, I can maybe come back if I change my mind. <laughs> but if you see pictures of her now, she's like, she looks completely different. I don't know if you've seen those like newest photos of her like walking yeah. across the. Yeah, she puts, she puts her burqa on. She puts the burqa on when she has TV interviews. But the rest of the time, she's wandering around in jeans and t-shirt. <laughs> it's just like just her whole attitude is just appalling. But yeah. it's good because it kind of just makes us all think, like, oh well, you're not coming back, are you? Well, uh-huh. until until she makes it across Europe and comes across in a dinghy. Oh my god! Imagine <laughs> she resurfaces. <laughs> oh god! And she'll definitely be fine. Come in, yeah. come in. No, no questions asked. Yeah, no, no. She can go burn down some military barracks while she's at it. Maybe she'll appear on one of Nigel Farage's films. <laughs> but I think um, just before we kind of finish the news segment, this is kind of a story close to two of our um, members' heart because obviously from the eighth of March. We hear, well, local election candidates can start canvassing at doorsteps and kind of going around leafleting and stuff. So, I mean, I'll hand it over to you guys. Yeah, I'm really excited. So I'm standing in High Wycombe in Totteridge and Bowdoin. Um, so it's Labour held ward. So for me, it's really useful to actually go and speak to residents, address their concerns, explain what my campaign's about. And just get out there and about, because I think most of us, Max, probably touch on he's been campaigning for a little bit longer than me uh, prior to all of the announcements. But it's it's hard to engage with people just via phone call and posting letters and emails and online stuff. So actually, and it's the first engagement anyone from the party is really going to have on the doorstep since the general election. So you'll kind of get a feeling of like who wants to still vote Conservative and what the national mood is. Um, I know they're local elections, but they're always a good gauge of where the country's moving towards. I think people always say, well, the Conservatives are 7% ahead in the polls at the moment. You know, that's really good. But actually, you don't know the true feeling until you get out there and start pounding on the doors. But Max would probably say a lot more about how keen he is in uh, Birken, not Birkenhead. I'm not sure. No, not bit. I would, I would struggle in Birkenhead if I was standing there. Um, I'm standing in the Wirral, um, Morton West and Sorgal Massey. It's been Conservative for the past 20 so years. So it's something the local association's keen to keep blue. Um, and hence me being a young young candidate, I'll be the youngest on the council if elected. So I kind of want to get out and you know relay that message. Mm. Um, hopefully we can get more younger voter turnout, which would be good for the party. Yeah, like Alex said, you can't really do it over the phone because nobody can see the passion behind what you're talking about, really, and the issues that you want to direct. So, yeah, roll on the eighth. Um, I'm looking yep. forward to. You can uh, you get elected in the Wirral, then you can uh, stop the police, um, <laughs> rolling around with their their boards saying that being offensive is illegal. Uh, it was just it was just <laughs> humiliating. Yeah, it was like sorry on all the American. American social media channels sort of talking about how bad Britain is now. Um, but yeah, well, that leads nicely into the rest of the episode, I guess. Yes, I think we'll leave it there then for the news segment, and we hope you enjoy the rest of the episode.
Okay, so to start the discussion, I kind of just wanted to put it out to you guys. What does free speech mean to you? Freedom of expression, allowing someone to say something that they believe in. And I think the whole idea of this podcast, when we set it up and I kind of tried to find you guys online, it was the whole idea of freedom of speech because there is another view. Now, the big thing to remember is, and kick off before anyone else mentions this quote, is that this is what we're working with is Voltaire said, I may not agree with what you say, but I'll defend to death your right to say it. But there also is the other thing of free speech does not imply immunity from consequence. And I'm sure we'll come on to that in much greater detail. Yeah, because that's a big that's a, a big kind of line to be drawn and lots of people draw it at different places. So and I'm sure we'll all have kind of conflicting opinions as to where that line needs yeah. to be drawn. Um, but, it's an interesting quote, that one. Um, it often gets credited to Voltaire, but it's actually an incorrect accreditation. It's actually belonged to a, a lady who did a biography on him uh, called Evelyn. Um, Evelyn Beatrice Hall. Evelyn Beatrice Hall. Um, she was the one that coined that phrase, um, but it just often gets credited to Voltaire. So does anyone else have kind of, what does free speech mean to anyone else? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm like Alex description, you know, freedom of expression, um, all that type of stuff, especially as a university student first year. I don't want to be censored in my, on a political course, I want to feel free to express my opinion on various topics because I do international relations, so we cover politics around the world. And I know it can be very conflicting in places like the Middle East when you get into religion and stuff like that. So I was particularly happy when the government came out the other day saying that they would protect free speech in universities because especially if you're paying to do these courses, you should be feel, feel like you have the right to say what you want to say without feeling, you know, you're going to get a big wave of criticism and um, be kind of lectured on what you should say and what you shouldn't say. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very important to me as a, uh, as an issue. Mm. I think to me, freedom of speech is the right to say anything, not including incitement to violence. And it does include things like the right to offend. I think that without it, I think it's a keystone of democracy, the right to criticise speak freely and where necessary even offend and i think without it democracy falls apart yeah definitely i think people don't realize how big of a deal it is in our society because we take it for granted and i think only now are we seeing uh the repercussions of the limitations on speech and that's why it's becoming such a big thing in the media we're starting to actually talk about it way more just to as usual, play the devil's advocate. Um, mm. Freedom of speech, yeah, is the ability to, you know to speak freely without rep- well, you know, without threat to an extent. But freedom of speech also includes the ability to have a go at someone because of what they said as well. You know, so we talk about yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So you know, just it you know, works both about, ways. Yeah, it does exactly. You know, you go to an event to speak. People have the right to come and protest that event as well. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time I'd say we probably wouldn't agree with people protesting someone speaking, but they still need to be able to do it. I think there's a difference difference between protesting someone speaking and rioting and fighting someone who's speaking. Yeah. Like, I know Jacob Rees-Mogg's had gone to speak at places where he's had protests outside, and he said, like, he really likes having protests here because it means they want to engage in debate. 
Yeah. Um, but when he has the protest move inside the lecture theatre and start physically harassing him, that's when yeah. it oversteps the boundary of what is free speech. Who is interesting? I we hardly see it um, on the right. Correct me if you're wrong. If I'm wrong, but um, who would you be uh, reluctant to let come and speak at, say, one of your universities or colleges or? you know if when you were in college or uni would you who would you be annoyed at being speak or would you not think you would uh, who came and spoke because we don't as I say we don't normally have that many completely controversial left-wing or irrelevant or politic people that we just necessarily completely disagree with them even having an opinion I think but it'd be interesting to say I don't know if I would get annoyed at I mean, I, I, there's obviously people who I would I would say that I completely disagree with that would speak, but even then I wouldn't necessarily say that would annoy me or no. aggravate me. It might just sort of be a. I mean, I wouldn't really be bothered if I really, really just couldn't stand the person. I just wouldn't go and watch them speak. But I wouldn't yeah. be. I wouldn't ever suggest that they should not be allowed to speak. Yeah. The only reason I would be annoyed would be if the speakers that were coming were all consistently of one viewpoint. And it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be getting annoyed because they, because of who they are or what they believe. It's just the fact that they are all unanimously one way, even if it was all right wing, really. Like yeah. if you have a hundred speakers come in through the course of a year and, or like a hundred comedians come on the BBC throughout the course of the year and only three <laughs> of them are pro Brexit, yeah, exactly. then you've got an issue. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I've been in, this is my first year, like I mentioned, we've had someone from the Labour Party, we've had someone from Extinction Rebellion. We've had someone from Asylum UK. We've had somebody who's, who's in the Liberal Democrats. Um, so you can see the trend of these speakers that are coming in. And like Jacob said, I don't have a problem with people with different politics. I like hearing different people's opinion because I want to challenge them. Like I was challenging the Extinction Rebellion activist the other week. But then when it's consistent, you're thinking, well, not everyone's going to have the same view on the course. So then you question the university lecturers and then it comes into a wider question on the whole institution mm-hmm. itself. So I think, yeah, if it's consistently the same type of speaker, I think that's when the problem comes to the surface. And Max, would you say you're uh, alone in your right-leaning views or are you a minority? I mean, I'd expect you to be a minority. But... Yeah, I would say there's others that share similar views to me from discussions but again, I've noticed that they're reluctant to come out within the group to state yeah. those opinions. When we've been in smaller groups, they're happy to talk about it. But I think that's the problem. People are now scared and fearful in places like university and an educational institution to come out and say how they feel on issues that are important to us. I mean, it was Brexit a few months ago we were speaking about. It was the environment the other day. Um, and... I think it's a shame, really, that people that I agree with on politics don't feel like they can come out and speak. And then it looks like I'm the only one with that opinion type of thing. And then, yeah. yeah. No, it completely kind of stunts discussion because people are just too afraid to even question the liberal narrative. I I say liberal with (laughs) meaning leftist, I suppose. But to question that, and it does just create a culture where you don't know who's sincere almost like you don't know who's just playing along with the crap like yeah yeah just just to add to that i mean you can still be annoyed at someone coming if you don't like them and still support their right 
so girls yeah, exactly. from the bed and speak. Yeah. Just because you're annoyed about someone coming doesn't mean you support, you know, no platform in them. No, 100%. Yeah. I think it goes completely to what Lewis, Max, and we've spoken about, the whole thing about allowing people. So Oxford University, before we started today, we were speaking about kind of the people that they've had on. And you'd think mm. one of the most like prestigious academic universities in the world, but they even allow in their chamber anyone that they don't tend to agree with. And it might be that actually it's like for the person that's going in there with their opinions that everyone don't agree with. It's like walking into the lion's den. You've got a group of, I don't know, liberal students that are going to eat you alive and don't want to hear you. But the great thing is those people are uninterrupted for an hour to show what their politics are. And at the end of it, you can walk away and say, I still don't agree, but you've defended to death in action their right to say it. And I think that's the whole thing is like understanding. And I guess the policing of it is hard because all of like the laws around free speech are so archaic, like the Magna Carta dates back to 1215. Uh, the Human Rights Act is very out of date, but it actually is still quite relevant when it says everyone has the right to freedom of expression. The right shall include the freedom to hold opinions, to receive impart information and ideas without interference from public authority regardless of the frontier but that goes against what universities should be doing if max is saying all of like the lineup of these speakers is having a trend of like being very liberal and left-wing like there's nothing wrong with those because obviously we want to challenge these ideals but there has to be some sort of new kind of way of monitoring free speech because Oxford University are doing it really well, whereas my university, me and Jacob went to, haven't done it so well because Jacob was telling me about uh, one of the lecturers being kicked out of the university for expressing an opinion on something quite, you know, sensitive. Um, and I remember when I was at the university feeling quite politicised in, like, my lectures with a uh, lecturer coming in in a pro-EU Remainer flag on his T-shirt like, I'm not saying he's not allowed to come in and do that, but there's no sort of, we weren't given the opportunity to debate it. It was just, he was just wearing it throughout the lecture. So without any sort of consent, he was doing, you know, a business studies seminar, but wearing stuff about the EU and like subconsciously telling you his politics without you having the freedom to express your views. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, we've seen kind of a few issues at the moment in the education system with kind of free speech. One being um, that, that le uh, not lecturer, teacher at Ethan, who got sacked after um, share, well, I think he shared like a misogynistic YouTube video, which basically I think it questioned, it said men, the, the patriarchal society has, is, a, is, is a patriarchy because uh, men are stronger than women or something like that. It said something like that, like it's evolutionary differences, why we have a patriarchal society, which I don't think is necessarily controversial. And even if, I mean, it is quite controversial, but I wouldn't say it's too bad. But um, I don't know, even if it is, it shouldn't it shouldn't uh, lead to his termination of employment with them. And also, I think even more sinister being um, the guy in France who was beheaded a few months ago, that was to do with, I know that was, to do with uh wasn't it something to do with defacing 
Muhammad yeah, showed, showed, a, showed a, something about a picture of Muhammad's face or something like that, or like a drawing yeah. of it or something like that. And then it's just like barbaric stuff that's happened in France there. So it's not, it's not uncommon, you know, it's, it's way too common in this society. And obviously the two examples are really quite different, but you can see that when you start allowing when you start allowing people to be discriminated on the basis of controversial opinions, then it does lead to more extremist. And it is who defines controversial. What is a controversial opinion? Yeah. So um, I think also we could lead on to the topic of, because we're talking about representation, especially in the media, you you said about BBC News and uh, the left-wing comedians and, and also Question Time. I don't know if you guys watch Question Time, but there's, especially when Brexit was a big, big deal a few years ago, there was hardly ever like consistent amounts of Brexiteers on there. It was so heavily remain. Uh, and that kind of has led in part to the emergence of GB News, which is obviously coming soon. So I don't know what you guys think about GB News and kind of media becoming way more it is becoming kind of harder to almost express your view, but it's also easier in a lot of ways because we're seeing emergence of these new channels and also bigger people on social media. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, so um, the the BBC, um, with regards to the comedy, um, obviously the BBC is supposed to be impartial. Amongst their comedy primetime slots, there's they had uh, 268 slots um, were given to 99 comedians who were publicly pronounced left-leaning. Of the 141 comedians that the BBC had on, only only two of the comedians were conservative or Brexiteer, sort of anti-woke stances. That's 99 comedians sharing 268 slots and two comedians sharing four slots on the BBC um, comedy programmes. Um, and I think for a broadcaster that's legally bound to be unbiased, I think that's fair to say the complete opposite. Yeah. Um, and as Joanna said, I think that's a very good reason as to why programmes like GB News, um, what's the other one, News UK. Talk Radio. Um, yeah, Talk Radio. Um, all with a slight right-leaning slant they're going to have to counter this sort of thing, I think. Yeah. And to kind of... Um give them I mean if you think about that comedian thing that you're just saying like I think 52% of voters voted for Brexit so it's not at all a a fringe view is it and yeah so and the amount of people that watch the BBC you think they are probably they're older um so they're even more likely to have a a Brexit opinion a, a leave opinion I should say yeah um yeah. So I suppose the question, the next question I kind of wanted to ask was, where does free speech end? We've had a lot of conversations about this when the when the record button is not on. Basically, <laughs> we've we've talked about this a lot. Um, and I don't know if anyone wants to start on. What? Well, where do you think free speech ends? Uh, violence when it threatens violence or incites violence. I would say. When it incites violence. So if you say, I don't know, um, I, I uh, want to go and kill my neighbour or something on 
social media, I would say then that does not is not covered by free speech, and you should probably be looked into. Yeah, um, that's when it's th- threats, I suppose, threats and incitement to violence, calls to violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we saw with uh, Donald Trump's kangaroo court impeachment trial, the <laughs> the the line for what is incitement isn't a, isn't a a neatly drawn one. It's it's not clear cut, but I think you know, saying free speech sort of ends that when you're inciting, you know, violence against someone or yeah. people. That so I think that's a reasonable position to take. Yeah. And obviously, there's the the um, you can't call fire in a crowded theatre, um, but that's yeah. I know that like people use that as like a well, you, free speech is an absolute because you can't call fire in a crowded theatre. It's like well, an exception doesn't make a rule. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about say in like in a workplace? Why why do we think that sometimes people shouldn't be allowed to express their views? Say at work, say they work for. I think we've talked about the police and things. If they work for the civil service, um, why should someone have to remain impartial? I think or the should problem, they not? I don't know. I think the problem is where so you have free speech, and we've defined it. I think quite extensively and eloquently but the problem where you critique it is people in the workplace will say we'll have political correctness that's obviously a different term but it comes in it comes into free speech because yeah outside of work we're all kind of just say you're very liberal you'd say it's fine to say things but actually when you think about the freedom of consequence of what you'd say in the workplace doesn't then necessarily make it right to be expressing those views in a professional setting although i feel that nothing should be off the table and and it depends on how you were brought up or where you come from into how you interpret that i think it definitely demographics come into it as well because i don't know if you are sensitive or you're in a certain category of society and then someone's openly saying at work well actually i don't believe in this because of my you know my religion then obviously that person could become offended because they feel like they're targeted but you're not necessarily doing that on purpose you're doing it to express your free speech which you're more than entitled to do but in a professional setting maybe you do need to police your speech just for animosity not to come about so that is a difficult one because you would wish that there's a like a sacrosound place where you can get to where everyone can just express really what they want and that no one's going to go to the sort of the human resources department, or as I call them, hell resources in institutions up and down the land because they end up stopping you from doing whatever you want to do. But many people will say that's a wrong thing to say and that's not politically correct. And I don't really refer to it as that, but it sings like that. If I was to joke about that, and say, oh, well, they're hell resources. I go into Barclays Bank and oh, the HR department have made a complaint against me, bloody hell resources. Mm-hmm. People would get offended by that who work in the HR department. So you can see how easy free speech is to then start insulting someone by just a joke, just by accident. And it is, it is a tough one. The thing is, the right to offend comes under free speech. Like the High Court ruled quite recently um, in the UK that the freedom of speech does include the right to offend and I think you can't I think I agree that you need to maybe be a bit more tactful when you're in the workplace because you've got to work with these people but you shouldn't feel restricted in what you have to say what you can say 
because you might upset somebody if you're not yeah that should just be kind of manners yeah it should come down to just wanting a good relationship with your colleagues it's not right to purposefully upset someone but it shouldn't be wrong i think people who i mean this happens at school and at work people who upset others are rude no reason um or just controversial for no reason they get kind of left by themselves anyway they're kind of no no you don't think so i don't know i suppose there's there's there is a sense of like bullying does happen and that's, that's bullying. that has kind of comes under a different umbrella but mm, it's a tricky one in the workplace as well because your employer is your employer and they they have a right to say what they want you to how they want you to act at work well, yeah, um, I mean, saying that, you're... then there's just rights that there's ever has that aren't even be infringed on at work. So. When, when you're at work, because I think there is a lot of problems where employers will take things that happen outside of work to justify their actions in the workplace. And yeah. I think then you could say, well, at what point does an employer not have the power, I suppose, to punish you in the workplace for something said outside of it? Yeah. Which, which does happen. No, I know. That's the thing. All these little kind of, you might get uh, alienated from the rest of the group just because they know you're a conservative or they know you're Brexiteer or whatever. Um, But I don't know. I stand firm that if you're kind of a nice person, you should should be able to get by. But then there is just, there's still, I mean, I've seen it as well at school and just in general life that if you have the wrong opinions, then that's not a, that's not a good thing people don't like you for it so yeah i think like mentioned it kind of depends on your profession i think like you I think you mentioned being a police officer i would say in that profession you know what career you're going into you're upholding the law you should really put in check your opinions when on active duty obviously you can still have an opinion on who you vote for um at home and what have you and you can talk about it with your colleagues if you feel like but again, like you mentioned, it's your surroundings really. If you feel like the people are accepting, you feel comfortable to speak to, for your opinions, which you should be able to, and it shouldn't infringe on your career. I think that's very hard to find in the workplace, in all honesty. But yeah, I think it depends on the profession. And I don't like the idea of kind of government kind of regulating and interfering in kind of private, the private sector and businesses on this type of thing. I think, yeah, I think that's a slippery slope going down if the government start interfering on the basis of what you can say in the workplace and what you can't say and what the employer should do and what yeah. kind of rights and privileges for employers and employees type of thing. Mm. I mean, why why do you guys think we're seeing limitations on speech? Why do you think we're the conservative... I'm, I'm using conservative, conservatism because that's obviously where we're at, but um, why do you think people are trying to limit free speech? Because, well, they, because they, these... they get because they don't like to be offended, I would say is a basic one. Mm. And the left get... is intolerant. The left yeah. controls the major institutions that are in charge of it: education, big tech, Hollywood, um, the general public sphere are all controlled by the left. And I think they therefore think that because they have the control, they should therefore be able to restrict anyone that they don't agree with or they think it's being nasty just because they don't like it. And I think that's where the issue lies. You, you, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't recall anyone, anyone on the right ever 
trying to cancel anyone on the left, trying to call for people to be call for anyone to be taken off Twitter because they expressed something that was radically left wing. No. But you don't see anyone you don't see no. anyone campaigning for Bernie Sanders or AOC to be stripped off Twitter the same way the left campaigned for Donald Trump. To be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, no, no one on the right is um, campaigning for Ash Sarkar to be kicked off Twitter. We just bully her instead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, well, I'm not advocating for bullying, but just the kind of using your words to counteract people <laughs> um, and using that instead of just calling, calling for them to be silenced because it just kind of makes you look weak and makes you look like you can't handle anyone else's opinion but yours yeah so touching on on twitter and the big tech do because they're private companies is there grounds for them to restrict speech do people think definitely not i think they're becoming and i think it's the change of silicon valley they're no longer big tech i don't consider them that anymore yeah they're still companies but for me they're media outlets and i think you would have seen this week the whole thing in Australia, Facebook um, got banned, um, certain government news or certain private news was on Facebook through to Australian citizens because they saw it as that they should be paying their way for having the news outlets share their news on there. Facebook didn't want to pay. Uh, they then stopped and restricted all like sort of news outlets in Australia from sharing content through Facebook and that's kind of a worrying thing is where big tech thinks that they're not media. They are a new source of media. People go on there to find out information. Like in 2016, when people wanted to know what the Trump campaign stood for or what was going on as a news outlet, they would go to Donald Trump's Twitter page. They would go to uh, anyone's page to find the news. They don't go and say, OK, I'm going to type in the New York Post or things like that. So I think you need to What think. about death threats and stuff on Twitter? I guess that's different because that's people that's using personal violence. accounts. Yeah, that, that goes back to the whole incitement yeah. of violence thing. That so, we... that, so so I know, so that so I suppose that does, that will mean that they're regulating But but they're regulating it within the law. Yeah. 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 Um and I think that's the, the thing. It's like I think the best way I've seen it described is um if a little kid asks for a cookie and his mum says yes but his big brother says no and hides the cookie jar from him. Is he really free to have a cookie? And then if he could make his own cookies, like the same way that conservatives made parlor, um, if he has the ability. <laughs> um, I but hate what if, analogies. But what if? But what if the big? What if the big brother also keeps him from using the oven? What if he won't let him use the ingredients? At what point do we say, even though his mum, in this metaphor, the government, says yes? The little boy isn't really free to have a cookie. At what point is it res- is it the responsibility of the mum to temper the power of the big brother? It's a very philosophical podcast. This <laughs> that's one, that's a good that's a good one. <laughs> oh my god, big brain energy. <laughs> I think we um we can't bypass the kind of emerging wokeness of society and woke culture and. I don't, for me personally, I think that, especially recent in recent times, it's it was after George Floyd's death that this all kind of blew up. I don't know that for me that's kind of the goal, not the goalpost, the the time where it all kind of came back to being relevant and 
And I'm with COVID as well, because there's lots of kind of this whole disinformation word that they now throw around about COVID. Yeah. Um, the, I hate that word. It just feels so Orwellian. And I don't yeah, want to assault, bring an Orwell into it, but it just does. Yeah. The assault on free speech from the left, particularly on Twitter, has been going on for much longer than George Floyd dying. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's just like that for me, kind of, maybe that brought it more personal because it was just everyone I knew was posting yeah. about it. it was almost like you have to post something about it and it it's like if you didn't then it was wrong yeah but yeah yeah but well, it's, like, it's, speech, so. it's, it's like you saw um as we discussed week before last like gina carano was mm-hmm. they called for her to resign because she didn't post anything for black lives matter yeah and said that she was racist for not posting anything for black lives yeah matter. exactly and it's, it's not like free speech in the left side isn't even isn't even saying things they disagree with it's not saying things they do agree with yeah exactly it's like if if you have a different opinion to the left and keep quiet you're still in their bad books exactly they say you can't be like you can't be non-racist you have to now be completely anti-racist it's like the whole it's the whole silence is violence so they say they say speech is violent and then say oh, that gosh. silence is violence. So if you stay silent, you're going to be violent. <laughs> if you speak, you're violent. You've got just not no chance. It's like it's like Chris Pratt as well, isn't it? And Chris Pratt didn't join in that um, sort of Biden. Yeah. Um, the Avengers, the you know the Marvel yeah, all the Avengers, yeah. Um, and Chris Pratt didn't join in that, and then he was attacked for being a pro-Trump supporter, even though the people who even did the the Biden thing defended him and said, "Well, he's just not political. He just yeah. doesn't like to get involved." But yeah, Robert, not, you're Robert, not allowed to be apolitical now. You're no, not. Robert Downey Jr. had to defend him, didn't he? And not that there should have been anything wrong with being a Trump supporter anyway. No, that's true. But yeah, now, like, I don't know if you've seen like people saying, oh, being apolitical is a privilege. Like, not having an opinion well, is, is well, a privilege. Well, actually, actually the, majority of the, the majority of the general public are probably quite I know, not, that's the not thing. political. It's... I mean, they probably don't really care. And it, then it, it just it, it kind of bullies people into posting these black squares or what these meaningless like gestures, which don't mean anything to a lot of people. They're just trying to keep their friends. Um, it's sad. Yeah, I mean, there was a there was a post that um, the uh, on cancel culture. Just one in eight British people believe that people have greater freedom to speak freely than five years ago, and that's yeah, you know that's yeah. that's quite shocking when you think about it. The vast majority, of, yeah, fifty yeah, percent are afraid to are afraid to say what they think, yeah. and just twelve percent believe that we have greater freedom to speak yeah. now than five years ago. And yeah. I think it's yeah. just that's shocking, really. Yeah, no, doesn't surprise me at all. Though you think bet, you, be, you that... even think five years ago, like lot, like just what you could say was so different. Yeah, it was so different. The thing is, even those those twelve percent that feel like they have more freedom to speak are probably all lefties. <laughs> because they do have more freedom to speak than they do. Yeah, exactly. Mm. They can say stuff like whiteness is psychosis is a psychosis or something, and yeah, that's, which yeah, is well, let's absolutely not, fine. Well, you go ahead and say that. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well let's not forget Kendi Andrews, who was the guy, one of the guys that said that, uh, who was a professor of black studies at Birmingham University, said that on Good Morning Britain on live, you know, like pretty much on live television in the morning for for yeah. millions of people to see, and there was no outrage. There was nothing. No, there was no sort of Ofcom stayed silent, you know. <laughs> um, but if someone just went on there and said, I don't know, something like, um, in the United States, more black people are committing crimes, which is 
yeah, it's not probably not the best way to word it, but still, they would say it. Can you imagine the outrage? They, they'd be deplatformed. They wouldn't go on that show again. Yeah. But it's well, fine exactly. to say the whitenesses. The, goal po- the goalposts are completely different. And we're not saying that he can't say whatever he wants. That's absolutely fine. It's just... Whereas, yeah, where is the consistency there? Which I think Piers Morgan, as much as I dislike Piers Morgan, and he does just shout over people, but he did kind of bring him, bring him up. Yeah, I think it's how you summarise free speech because when we look at how it applies left and right, people use it in different ways. So it can be used to like make or break someone. Uh, The truth is, moral problems about the freedom of expression in real life. And how you apply, say, like the social media world is different how you would in the real life. And whether we like it or not, or even if we agree with it, it's liberal enough to be good for people to express themselves and find themselves. But it's also liberal enough to provide a soapbox for less appropriate beliefs. And I think that goes back to every single thing that (laughs) what we're saying, there's going to be a completely whole different interpretation of what free speech is, where it's much more... Uh, sanitized it's much more like pronounced in those like sectors of education and people will restrict and restrict it's like a jellyfish getting the definition of free speech and absolutely squeezing the bloody thing mm. and just for using that word i could be deplatformed. <laughs> well, the thing is this is where this is where the division between the left and the right comes from because one side wants you to be able to say whatever you want. One side wants you to be able to only be able to say things that are on a list, like things you're allowed to say. And I think yeah. you can't compromise on something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there well, is, like there is saying, no middle ground. Yeah, like you're saying politically, you had um, like momentum and labour activist groups handing banners on motorways saying, you know, hang the Tories or so many dead, uh, let's return the favour. Can you can you imagine if you know some sort of conservative group hung up you know banners saying kill Labour members? Well, wasn't that like Punchatory or something? Oh uh, yeah, it was that. Yeah. Was in, that 2019, in 2019, a Labour MP called for um, that his supporters fight conservatives in the streets and. Um, you know, if that's not inciting violence, I don't know what is. Yeah. Just a completely different playing field. And the thing is, they can't even see it. That's what's funny. They can't even like admit it or see it. But it's yeah. like completely... Well, well I, I, um, I had a huge issue where I had a full argument with someone in my college because I simply suggested that people who come to the UK should learn English. If they're not from the UK, they don't speak English, they should learn and English. Th- yeah. And, and I got called a racist, but it was just like, oh. Exactly. That's the only thing they can argue with. That's the only thing they can say is you're racist. They don't actually give you any kind of... Yeah. That, that word's completely, completely lost its meaning. It's just... And the, it's the same leftist who will say, if you go to any other country, you're rude if you, if, you speak their, if you don't speak their language. You know what I mean? It'll be the same people saying, why haven't you learned whatever language, French, or German, whatever. Yeah, when you go to their country, English people are lazy because they don't speak the language. Okay, oh yeah, but where? But where? Remember, where? We're white European colonialists, so exactly, we have yeah. to. <laughs> I think the leftist echo chamber is so big now because of all the institutions that have been enveloped with this kind of cancel culture and this kind of, you know, adhering to what to hear to, to adhering to this kind of benchmark that has to 
to nail every football game to show solidarity with these causes. You have to do certain things. You have to call out about support BLM, like we mentioned with um, the actress before. It's just, it's just in so many big companies as well, not just institutions, but big companies. And it's just the leftist, or not leftist, but like people on the left feel like it's okay to say these things and say, well, you can't say that because look what these celebrities saying that, you know, agreeing with me type of thing. Yeah. And the echo chamber is so big that I think we're getting drowned out more and more. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. just, it's just a shame. Hopefully there's some kind of turning point coming. Um, I think more people are waking up to see they are being silenced, but who knows? Maybe we're living in an echo chamber too. Yeah, but it's like the it's it's like that um the poem from the post war. First they came for the socialists, but I did not oh, speak yeah. out because uh, I was a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, but I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. And I think that's the the sort of thing that um we're gonna end up with here because they're gonna they're gonna knock out everything until they get to the center. Like they'll take out the far right, which I think most of us would agree their opinions are unsavory. Then they'll come for yeah. the more moderate right. Then they'll come for the centre. And everyone in the centre where most people sit won't have anyone left to speak from. Like eventually this is going to go too far. And yeah, like, yeah. you are, the, the, two, the two outcomes that are going to come are either it's just going to keep going and no one on the right is going to be allowed to say anything or people are going to have to take a stand. And I think that's what's starting to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, like as like going back to Gina Carano, like the whole sort of we are the rebellion. We need to stand up and make our voices heard. That's why this podcast is so good. Yeah. Um, because we need to use the platforms we have to speak. Because if we don't, we won't have those platforms anymore. Exactly. Like we can't let them stop us. If people want to try stop us talking, we need to talk and talk yeah. and talk. Exactly. We can't Fantastic. let them silence us. Well, the fantastic thing about this is a podcast, unless they have some sort of hacking capabilities, they won't be silencing me, you or anyone else anytime soon with this. Um, And that's what our guests will have the free opportunity to do when they come on is express what they want. And we're not going to cut them. We're not going to say that's not allowed in the editing. Well, unless... (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're not going to attract the sort of people that we wouldn't want on this but that's what free speech is to me anyone's welcome yeah if, if any if any leftists want to come and have a discussion then we can have a discussion with them if Apart someone from she's banned if someone if someone if someone with a more extreme right-wing opinion wants to come and have a chat we'll have a chat with them and i think that's that's what is missing in popular society at the moment and that's what's being eroded well yeah people the, people the ability to, to have a discussion the party, the party of tolerance are the most intolerant people you'll ever meet. Yeah, just because they're not challenged enough. Okay, I think we shall wrap it up there. Uh, yeah, it's been kind of a free-flowing conversation. So we hope you, <laughs> hope you enjoyed the session today and let's hope you tune in next week for more. Uh, we hope to see you again soon. So thank you from all of us and... Remember to use the hashtag TOV podcast. That is very important, guys. Please do that. And yeah, tune in again next week. Long live the cause of freedom. <laughs>